KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. In the late 1950s, the black community in the borough of Yaden, just across the West Philadelphia city line, was small but thriving. At the center of it all was a pool, the Nile Swim Club. Within a few years of opening, the Nile was a symbol of black success and stature. It even garnered national attention. In doing the research, it seemed like Ebony, Jet, you know, a lot of prominent publications, black publications were writing about it all the time. So by the time you get to the 1960s, you know, you're talking about like the Supremes in and out, Harry Belafonte in and out, and just this sort of really hip happening place. But changing dynamics in the decades to come would start to chip away at the Niles enrollment. By 2010, the club was bankrupt and had seemingly lost its way. It was less a viewpoint in, say, the 1980s, 1990s, really into the 2000s about its historical importance and its ability to sort of serve the community and more of why would we want to go there. I'm Matt Leon, and today on KYW News Radio In Depth, sponsored by your Delaware Valley Honda dealers. Get a deal you'll like on a Honda you'll love. Dr. Bob Kodosky from Westchester University is our guest. He has written a book, The Nile Swim Club of Yaden, A History. He joins us to share stories about its past and talk about how it's discovered a new purpose in the present. Before we talk about the contents of the book, the importance of the book, why did you decide to write the book? Was this something you found out about and thought it was a story that needed to be told? Did someone approach you? What's the origin? It's a great question, Matt. So the last project I worked on uh, is is a book called Tuskegee in Philadelphia, Rising to the Challenge. And that project was brought to me by Mr. Mel Payne. Mel is the director of the Philadelphia chapter of Tuskegee Airmen. When that book came out, we did right, – right before the pandemic as a matter of fact. And, you know, we did some stuff and – Raise some awareness. And I got a call from Mel. It must have been – it was in the summer of 2022. And he said he wanted to introduce me to Anthony Patterson Sr., who is the director of the Nile Swim Club in Yaden. And I said, wow, that sounds interesting, Mel. I, you know, I can't say I know much about Yaden. And I'm not quite sure I've ever heard of the Nile Swim Club before. We met at the pool and I got this you know, amazing story that – is connected with Tuskegee, I, I learned through the course of the project that this historic pool had gone into bankruptcy several times. And one of the people who worked to preserve it was Miss Alma Bailey. And Miss Alma Bailey was a Tuskegee airman, quote unquote, right? She was a nurse in the unit, lives in Yaden. And wanted, you know, sort of orchestrated the whole thing because part of it was to get the story of the Nile out there. It's a unique story. And then the other piece of it is the bankruptcy isn't that far distant in the Nile's own history. And we immediately thought that a book project could not only raise awareness regarding the Nile Swim Club and all the programming it does, but all of the proceeds for the book go back to the Nile Swim Club. I've learned through the course of this project, the majority of black people in the United States cannot swim. Uh, I've learned through the course of this project that uh, black children drown at three times higher rates than white children do. And the Nile Swim Club has a program where they offer free swim lessons. 
And that, I think, is really important, you know, in, in a contemporary context because, you know, as, as swimming shouldn't be a luxury, right? And, and so I went to my publisher and, and they, they immediately liked the idea and went to work and got it done. So let's talk about the Nile Swim Club in Yaden, country's oldest owned and operated black swim club. Yeah. You know, I've learned a lot about Yaden. Uh, Yaden, if you don't know, is right outside of Philadelphia on the western side near Darby, Lansdowne. And in the 1920s, there was a movement of African-Americans to move to the north, to escape Jim Crow. They came to Philadelphia. They came to New York. They came to Chicago. And during the Great Depression, there opened up an opportunity for not all of them were from the south. Many of them were professionals, not all professionals, but many were physicians, teachers, to move into this like six-block area in West Yaden into homes that whites had vacated during the Depression. And so they did that. And they established a community in West Yaden that in the 1940s also brought in new homes. Yaden remained overwhelmingly white except for this six-block area. Uh, People talked about it as being sort of a black bubble. And the school was integrated. Blacks went to school with whites. Many of the blacks in the community, nationally prominent people, the the first African-American appointed to an appellate court. Uh, his name was William Haskey. He lived in West Yaden. Philly's Tony Taylor lived in West You know, all of these people, right? But Yaden itself remained segregated. So the kids went to school together. And kind of at the end of the day, literally, Matt, there were two doors. The white kids went out one door back to their neighborhood. The black kids went back to West Yaden. And it was understood that outside of school, there wasn't going to be any mixing. You know, the white kids had their places. The black kids, I mean, really didn't have a lot of places to go and would gravitate toward Philadelphia and all of the rest. Back to Tuskegee, Red Ball Express, Black Panthers, that World War II experience. So after the war, uh, many of whom in West Yaden had served in the Second World War, there was that push for double victory. And that included schools, but it also included swimming pools. What I've learned through the course of this project is the earliest swimming pools in the Northeast were not segregated by race. They were segregated by gender. Men had certain days to go to public pools in Philadelphia, and then women had certain days. It became racially based in part because of that large movement of blacks coming from the south to the north and also because of the widespread use of the automobile where now for the first time a lot of southerners are coming north and insisting on sort of Jim Crow. And so pools became racially segregated. The Jersey Shore became racially segregated. I've learned through the course of this project that – African-Americans who wanted to swim go to the beach in the summertime. You know, in Philadelphia, everybody goes to the shore in the summer. Well, blacks went to a place called Chicken Bone Beach. It was the only beach that was welcoming to them. It was in Atlantic City. And it earned – it got the name Chicken Bone Beach, a number of them told me, because 
taking public transportation from Philadelphia to Atlantic City, families would take fried chicken because it's what held out, you know, in the beaches. So there was this this sort of racial segregation of swimming. In the 1950s, the United States Supreme Court, you know, ruled that things can't be public and racially segregated, not just in Yaden, but in many white communities, swimming pools became abandoned or they created private swim clubs. And a lot of this had to do with, you know, bathing suits were getting smaller, men and women were now swimming together, and there was this fear of black men in a place with white women and, you know, the the fears of that in white communities. So in Yaden, they built the Yaden Swim Club. And there were a number of families who had fathers who learned to swim in the military during the Second World War. As recreational swimming was becoming bigger and the nation is saying things have to be integrated, they said, we, we want our kids to be able to swim. And so they applied to swim or they, they applied to join the Aiden Swim Club. Well, you know, week after week, oh, we lost your application. Ah, oh, we, you know, that sort of thing. So they're getting stonewalled. A number of the families got together. One, the Purifoys, Carson Purifoy, was the first president of the, what became the Nile Swim Club. Zoe Mask, an amazing woman, and Elmer Stewart, sort of the three principals, they, what do we do? I, you know, should we sue? Should we, you know, how, how do we break down this barrier? Well, it was Zoe Mask who said, you know what, guys? <laughs> We're done talking. Let's just build our own pool. They don't want us over there. Let's build our own pool. Let's call it the Nile because it harkens back to, you know, African roots, right? And some of the oldest swimmers, uh, you know, some of the oldest records we have of swimming are from Egypt. So they went to work. First, they needed the money. They sold basically bonds, $250 a piece. I have, the, I have that record. People were excited. I mean, a lot of the people who gave money to create the Nile Swim Club lived in Philadelphia, lived in New Jersey, Chester County, Delaware County. It was such an outrageous thing in 1957, 1958. My God, you know, there's, there's going to be a black swim club. And they opened it in 1959. And when they opened it in 1959, they opened it to everybody. They said, you know what? We, we don't care. We don't care what your race is, your ethnicity, whatever. You're welcome here. It became a huge success, national attention. In doing the research, it seemed like Ebony, Jet, you know, a lot of prominent publications, black publications were writing about it all the time. A number of the people in Yaden who had been going to Chicken Bone Beach had connections with a lot of the black entertainers that were going through Atlantic City. So by the time you get to the 1960s, you know, you're talking about like the Supremes in and out, Harry Belafonte in and out. And just this sort of, uh, you know, like sort of really hip happening place. You know, they, the, the phrase that people used in talking about West Jaden and in talking about sort of the Nile Swim Club, they referred to it all as the Black Main Line, you know, because this was sort of – and the, the Philadelphia Tribune, you know, story after story after story about, you know, all kinds of social activities, all kinds of stuff going on. 
So it's successful. And one of the reasons this, this story caught my eye is because in reading history, in watching stories about Jim Crow segregation, swimming pools stood out to me because of the lengths racist white people would go to make sure blacks didn't swim in their pools. This is not just putting up a sign saying, hey, you're not welcome here. You're talking like cutting off your nose to spite your face, putting concrete in the pool, closing it, because we would rather nobody have it than you have a part of it. I've seen videos of like people pouring bleach as kids are in the pool. I mean, we're talking awful stuff. As this club is thriving, what's the reaction in white Yaden in the surrounding community? I had a conversation. His name is Jim Murphy, who grew up in Yaden during that time period. And he said he didn't really even know there were black people in Yaden because he went to, I think, the school with St. Louis as he, you know, grew up Irish Catholic, go to Catholic school. Well, the Catholic school was all white. And then he went to St. Joe's Prep and he went to the Aiden Swim Club. He really wasn't even, you know, because he wasn't part of the public school system, he really said, like, he had no interaction with black people whatsoever. Like, he didn't even know they were there. And he said he only really started to learn, you know, at that time at St. Joe's Prep, there was a beginning of a movement to diversify the student population. And that, he said, was his first interaction with black people. And had another conversation with someone who grew up nearby in Delco, Jim Irwin, who said the same thing. He said, like, I didn't even know there were black people like anywhere around. You know, we just didn't we didn't run into them. For the most part, you know, they the the white reaction because I asked, like, you know, what happened because you had buses coming in from Philly. I mean, it became like from Maryland. You know, what was what was the situation like? Was there harassment? Was there nobody talked about any? They said, you know, it, it was it was an oasis. It was our place. There was a very political activism in West Jaden. There was a civic association. There were, you know, uh, I wouldn't call it quite integrated into the community leadership, but they certainly had a voice. And in high school, a lot of microaggressions. You know, one of the guys talking to me, for example, his name is Bill Malix. He was there as a kid. He went to uh, Yaden High when it was integrated. He said, you know, things normal for the time. There were different expectations between black and white students. He was a pretty good football player. He played defensive back. He said, you know, coach said, look, you know, you're not, he said he should have been the quarterback. But the coach at the time said, well, you no, know, you're not going to play quarterback because you're black, right? I had Carson Purifoy's daughter, Jacqueline, told me she got thrown out of school because her history teacher, who apparently went on for years, you know, the, the school was integrated, but there were no black faculty and or a token amount of black faculty. And that became an issue over the years. And Jacqueline remembers her high school history teacher reading from a history book that said black people don't have as big a brain as white people, but they have big hearts. So, you know, that was kind of the mentality that was there. And it was just so, I guess, I mean, she she protested and she got suspended and, and all of the rest. But, it, it, you know, I think part of that era, you know, that that tension. I heard other stories that some of the local communities 
football games. The cheerleaders might not go to another town because they weren't going to be welcome because they were black, that sort of thing. For the most part, under those conditions, the people who lived in West Yaden, they have absolutely wonderful memories about the Nile. The, you know, nobody talked about any kind of harassment or anything else. There, you know, in, in some ways in the white community, there was almost like an obliviousness, like as long as they stay there, it's okay. And I think that plays out because in the 1970s in Yaden, all hell broke loose. You know, you had somewhere at the beginning of the 1970s of maybe six, 700 blacks living in West Yaden, and you have the rest of Yaden, which is white. What started to happen was blacks began moving into the white part of town, which was across Church Lane. At that point, the Ku Klux Klan showed up. Realtors showed up. You know, there were panic. You know, today, Yaden is something like 95 percent black, in large part because the whites just left. You know, they sold quickly. They got out. The, you know, one of the, the Aiden Swim Club no longer exists. And the daughter of one of the founders who went on and became a council person in Yaden was actually there when the thing like, you know, got shuttered up. And, you know, she felt satisfaction that the Nile Swim Club still existed. It wasn't so much, you know, like pointing a finger, ha, that's gone, but more of a pride in, you know, what her parents' generation had built in 1959 and, you know, how progressive it really was. We need to take a break on KYW News Radio In-Depth. We will have more with Bob Kodosky in just a moment. But right now, there's nothing quite like the Honda Accord Hybrid and the CRV Hybrid when it comes to exhilarating efficiency. With hybrid technology and thrilling capability, these vehicles deliver an electrifying performance on every drive. This new year, discover for yourself what truly makes these hybrids special. Redefine your driving experience with Honda, KBB.com's best value brand of 2023. Contact your local Honda dealer today about the Honda Accord Hybrid and the CRV Hybrid. Now let's return to our conversation with Bob Kadoski. He is the editor of the Nile Swim Club of Yaden, a history. Take us through the ups and downs of the Nile and what led to it having financial problems and things like that. In some ways, it doesn't make sense, right? Like, Yaden is becoming increasingly black, yet the Nile Swim Club hits its membership heights in the 1960s and 1970s, 1980s. You just watch the enrollment go down and then that's when the bankruptcy starts. The people who founded it began to grow older, pass away. The kids who grew up in that environment, many of them left, went to college became successful professionals, but they moved outside of town. As Yaden became more black, in some ways there was a generational divide, people moving into the neighborhood. They looked at the Nile and they said, why would we want to go there? Those people segregated themselves. We are trying to push for integration. You know, there was a sort of a different mentality. 
The other part of it was, you know, while the Nile had sort of reached this height, the pressures for it to succeed were great. And they had many rules about being in that space. And of course, you know, there also was the financial piece. Many people moving into Aden, you know, I heard from people in inside the Nile sort of community say that occasionally they would get things from outsiders, perceptions that, oh, well, that club's bougie or that the, they're uppity in there or they didn't want us back in the day. Why should we give them money now? And so, you know, the the, the there was less sort of I guess, a viewpoint in, say, the 1980s, 1990s, really into the 2000s about its historical importance and its ability to sort of serve the community and more of kind of why would we want to go there? So, you know, it it struggled and kind of interesting, it coming out of that time period really began 2017, 2018, not that long ago. And the you know the other kind of really interesting thing about this story so i had mentioned anthony patterson senior who's now the president of the nile swim club his father was isaac patterson and anthony grew up in west jaden right across from the swimming pool he was the youngest of 19 children all to the same mom and dad his father isaac passed away when anthony was just a kid that left his mom with, you know, a lot of kids at home. And there was a great concern that social services was going to break up the family. She went, she got her GED, became a nurse, went to work at Mercy Fitzgerald, and the family stayed together. And, you know, the boys, everybody kind of went to work. And with the pool being right across the street and everyone having a lot of respect for Anthony's father, they took him in. They said, you know, come in, help us clean up a little bit. We'll give you lunch every day. We'll teach you how to swim. That happened. He went on. He went to Cheney University, graduated, was involved at one point early in his career with, I, I don't know if you remember it, there used to be a nightclub in Philly called Pulsations. And he was involved. Never with, went, but I've, <laughs> I've heard the name. <laughs> yeah. And so he was involved with bringing in some of the early hip hop people, right, you know, back in the day. And he, he, his, many of his siblings, you know, very successful. And his brother Sam, for example, you know, involved in real estate and, and all the rest. Anthony's the youngest of 19 and they like to have family get-togethers. Older now, he thought, well, you know, maybe I should go back to the Nile. It would be kind of cool to get the family together at the Nile and when he went back, he found a place that was in real disrepair. You know, the, the pool was the same as it had been, you know. Called his brother Sam and he said, we got to do something about this. And they went to work. They not only raised money and did the renovations, but brought all of it to the community, you know, in a way that, I mean, I've been there. The, the place is just bustling now with there's a community garden tennis courts, basketball courts, a lot of programming for uh, senior citizens, you know, Zuma classes, aquatic stuff. They have Eagles tailgate parties and it's all community-based. You know, they, they took whatever memberships and they dropped them and did a lot of outreach and, you know, it's, it's, it's very cool. 
For people that are interested in more, want to get the book, uh, how do they do that? Well, they can go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or, you know, it's uh, the History Press is the publisher and it's pretty available, you know, in, in all the usual places that, that books are being sold. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.